0: welcome to the on target living podcast a place where health and human performance meet
1: so tell me are you living your best life
0: i think i am i'm doing pretty good right now i got four grandkids and uh i got a nice wife and both my kids are in the business with me so it's a pretty good gig going on right now got a brand new building and i'm 62 years old and Feeling pretty good from a health standpoint. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty good.
1: That that does actually sound like the American dream. I, I do love it, um, <laughs> Chris Johnson. Everybody, uh, welcome to the show. If you're uh, listening and you, you want to put a face to the name, be sure to check out ontargetliving.com and check out the app as well, On Target Living Experience App. And we're going to dive more into uh, your books and other content that you have as we uh, go through the episode, but. Yeah, uh, definitely a pleasure to have you on today. Um, tell me, why health? You know, you're, you're such a big uh, you know, active uh, um, proponent. And why health? Why is that the industry you chose and stuck with for such a long time?
0: Well, I think kind of very similar to your background. I um, was a business economics major in college and got out of school. And I'm thinking, is this really what I wanted to do? And I was in the uh, car industry in the summertime working on the assembly line. And then all of my, uh, my brother and people around us got in the car industry, and I thought, you know what, this is not what I want to do, and so I went and mm-hmm. decided to do something else, and I, I drove a bread truck for a couple of years, and then I drove a Frito-Lay truck, and then after about a year into to lay and not wanting to go into management, I thought, what am I doing? So I went back to grad school at Michigan State, and I was always interested in fitness and exercise and growing up, playing sports, and I met an amazing professor at Michigan State, and he says you're a prevention guy, and I think this is the direction you need to go into, because I was thinking about sports medicine and physical therapy, and mm-hmm. so I became an exercise physiologist, and that was way back in the early 80s, so that was kind of the beginning of my journey.
1: And naturally, because since you were in Michigan growing up, is that why you were pushed towards the car industry?
0: Well, it was, just, it was in my town where I live in Lansing, Michigan, and that mm-hmm. was the big... Uh, You know, it was either the state of Michigan or General Motors. So that was the two big industries. And then I realized over time, this is not what I want to do. (laughs) I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something else.
1: Was it hard snapping away, though, since that's kind of what I'm sure maybe your parents were pushing you into it, too, or no?
0: People asking me, you're going to grad school. And then my wife found out she was pregnant with twins. And people ask me, what are you going to do with this degree? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. But my dad always really pushed me that you want to do something in your life that you love. Mm. And I kept thinking, you know what, I don't really, I understand, yeah, is it hard because I'm turning away a company car and 50 grand a year back in the early 80s? Yeah, it was hard, but in reality, it was was probably the best thing I ever did. So, um, but I think that was the thing I always kept thinking about. I want to do something I like to do. And I remember I had a, I had a guy down in Detroit Barry Franklin he said if you get good at what you do you probably can make a decent living at it. And I kind of mm-hmm. always remembered that. So anyway, that's kind of the journey began.
1: Yeah, cuz I mean turning down that much money in the 80s, you know, that's that that's quite a quite a haul. Like how long did it take you to finally get back up there? Were there moments when like you questioned your decision? <laughs>
0: Uh, A sure. couple. Remember, uh, yeah. I remember when I was doing an internship in Grand Rapids, I was commuting every day and making no money. And I did that for, um, 16 weeks and I got little kids at home and no money coming in. And I'm thinking, well, you know, and in my, my, my wife, was what doing, did I do with my life? What am I doing? You know? And I kept thinking, and then I was hired and I made 12 bucks an hour at this, uh, wellness center and then um, it just slowly, and then I worked at this large health club that I was hired in at $22,000 a year with a master's degree. And I'm thinking, okay, this is crazy. But then as time went on, we had a large personal training program, and as I developed the training program, we were in the first million dollar training programs, I started making more and more money, Mm. and that's kind of how it kind of took off. But really was not chasing the money, it was chasing my passion. And I think that's the thing I really recommend when I'm mentoring, you know, people is chase your passion, chase your dream, because you're going to, you're going to wake up and you're 50 or 60 and you're going to say to yourself, okay, is this really all there is? And so I, that's, you know, people ask me all the time, did you know this was going to turn out into a, in this business? I go, no, and I have no
1: clue. (laughs) When did you know? Was there like a moment?
0: Um, I realized that people are really struggling with their health and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I had, um, what I think what separates me a little bit is I had so many years of being in the trenches, 20,000 hours of training, one of the largest health clubs in the world, 10,000 members. Which health club? It was called the Michigan Athletic Club. So, it was one of the largest health clubs in the world, and it still is today. It's mm-hmm. 270,000 square feet. But, you know, I was the fitness director there and director of personal training, and that was really my – I was in the front lines for a long, long time. So, I started seeing people that had cholesterol problems, they couldn't sleep, um, ED, testosterone, uh, blood pressure, and that was kind of my training – and that kind of separated, you know, my, and then I wanted to take this message on the road. And mm-hmm. that's how I slowly evolved into what we're doing today. So, but yeah, at the beginning, I didn't know what I, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew there, there was a huge need mm-hmm. and there's a lot of problems. And prevention is really not, we're not spending a lot of time and energy on prevention. And yeah. now people are really becoming like, okay, I don't really, why do I want to wait till I get this problem to do something about
2: it?
1: Yeah. And how long did it take for you to see that like click? Cause now, nowadays, I guess the millennial age, right? Everybody's all about, you know, do this, do this, do that, consume that, consume that to prevent it. But it wasn't like that for, for a long time.
0: I think, you know, I'm a boomer and I was in the bodybuilding. I got into bodybuilding in 1985 and it was my first mm-hmm. contest. And I, you know, people were trying to get leaner and ripped up on stage. And then I realized after about my second bodybuilding contest, it's not very healthy. Mm -hmm. So can you develop a plan that you can be, get leaner and healthy at the same time? And that was kind of my genesis into my food target. And that's, people are asking me, how do you get ready for a contest? I say, it's simple. I just eat in the center of this food target for about three months. And I don't take a lot of liberties, but I'm eating quality carbs, I'm eating quality fats, quality proteins and balance. Mm -hmm. And, And then that kind of led me to, you know, I understand about ketosis and I understand about carb depletion. And I understand all that stuff because I've done it. And really, over time, what people understand it doesn't work long term. And so that's kind of the beginning mm-hmm. of on-target living. We went to develop a lifestyle that people could, you know, sustain forever. And it's something they like doing, not because they have to do it. So that's kind of how it slowly evolved. I would see from the physical standpoint with training and injuries and fitness and I learned about nutrition and all that stuff from my not only my schooling but also being in the trenches and bodybuilding and then here comes the rest and the stress and the sleep and and you start putting them all together and that was kind of what I thought was missing out there is like it's not a diet it's not a you know crazy exercise program or it's not focuses on meditation it's kind of bringing all those pillars together and that's why we call the company on target living because it's a it's a lifestyle not a not a specific, you know, way to exercise or a way to eat or whatever. It's kind of all encompassing. And that's what I saw the need. I saw the need that, Mm -hmm. you know, people were eating great, but they weren't getting any sleep. And then people were, you know, uh, crushing themselves in the gym, but they had no rejuvenation strategies from a fitness standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as I got older, I'm like, this is what people are struggling with. So then we got into corporate America, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world and then I got up on stage and they're like, oh, we don't want to talk about wellness. Well, then they realized I'm talking about performance and feeling good. And now they're, and then speaking took
1: off. And so was of- that, was that a struggle? Cause they, did they almost want to, did they always almost want to censor you about what you can say?
0: Not so much censor, but why would you want to put a guy in a big stage and, and tell people what to eat or not to eat? And that was always like, we don't want a wellness speaker. Well, I'm not a wellness speaker. I'm a performance huh. speaker. So when people, the hardest thing we still have today is people don't hire us because they don't really know, they don't really know what we're going to talk about. And that's why we, my son and I wrote Capacity because every organization is- Your struggling.
1: latest book, right? Yeah, it's Capacity. our latest
0: book because people are struggling with their, their people. You know, the their greatest assets, is their people, but mm-hmm. the greatest asset of the people is their health. But we don't look at it foundationally. We just like, oh, let's get to it when we want to. In reality, it should be foundational. So that's why we still struggle from a marketing standpoint is because all of our business comes when they see you. Like, man, I want that. I want that guy's, that guy's old and he has lots of energy. And you yeah. know, we have, we have a, a, a very, I feel, wealth of knowledge we want to share that makes people's lives better. So that's, that's kind of how the speaking kind of slowly took off. But I started speaking at the health club. And that's kind of, as it started, I had more and more people show up. And I'm like, wow, this is something to this.
1: Was that something, an initiative that you took or did they want you to do it?
0: No, I, I took the initiative because I kept thinking, that, you know, I would talk to my clients and they'd ask me, how do you do this? And I would help the trainers. And then I thought, you know, this is crazy. We have so many people interested in this. Why don't we do? And I called it meal patterning. And I looked at how the sumo wrestlers were the biggest people on the planet and how they gained weight. And I took the opposite approach of, okay, this is how they gain weight. <laughs> Let's show people how to actually so they can sustain weight loss. And so that's kind of how it all began.
1: Which, is, so which, I, which was your first book, right?
0: That was my first book called Meal Patterning. <laughs> and then I went to a branding specialist in Colorado and he goes, you got to okay. do something with your food target. So that became our business called On Living. That was in 2006. But yeah, initially I started speaking to this large health club and I remember the first seminar I had, I had 30 people and, you know, six months later I had 300 Wow! it just kind of blew up. And then people would say, hey, you know, I see you doing this. Can you bring that to my corporation? Yeah, I can do that. How much do you charge? Charge. (laughs) How much do I Charge. I'm not really charging anything. <laughs>
1: what'd you do? Like, so your first time because you didn't expect to get the, uh, that question. What'd first you say? Time
0: I did a, I did a, um, a dental, and they said your um, honorarium is two hundred twenty-five dollars for a two-hour presentation, and then I realized everybody else's honorarium was fifteen hundred. <laughs> and I asked him. I asked the woman. I said, "Would you pay me that?" She said, "Yeah, you got the highest ratings of anybody. I would have paid you, but you just asked for two hundred twenty-five dollars."
1: But at the time, you're like, man, I'm getting like 112 an hour. This is a great rate.
0: <laughs> I mean, people ask me all the time, "How do you speak?" I go, "You got to go speak for free for a while to get, you know, to get relatively good at it." So for a long time, and then I remember I went to a executive uh, it was uh, executive coaches, and they said, "Hey, get somebody in the audience you don't know, and just bring up a number that would be absolutely crazy in your business." And I remember five thousand dollars. If I could go do a presentation for $5,000, I'm like, oh my gosh, I've hit the lotto. And now that's, you know, we charge a lot more than that.
1: Is it, would you say most of your uh, clients or I guess people that, uh, companies that request you, is it all through referral?
0: I would say wow. 95%. So we work with a lot of big companies, at and Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley. So they see you speak and that's kind of how it starts to begin.
1: Was there like a moments that one of them found you and it kind of took off?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You actually hit the right. So I have a friend of mine that worked for Merrill Lynch and he lives in Grand Rapids, which is about an hour away. Mm-hmm. And he saw me do this presentation at this health club and he was a financial advisor. And he said, could you bring that to my office? And I said, sure. So I did this in 2000, still remember it was 2004 in Grand Rapids. And then he was doing this large uh, uh, recognition trip, and I think it was in Hawaii, and he had my food target, and he showed it to this woman, and he s- calls me up and says, hey, there's a woman in New York that's in charge of uh, training and development. You mm-hmm. need to give her a call. So, she, I call her up, and she's from New York. She wasn't very friendly.
2: <laughs> and she <laughs> said, favorite. come to
0: New York. Let's put you here. And then um, one thing led to another, and she said, you know, I really like your message, we have a new training program we're doing for Merrill Lynch. Would you be willing to be on the faculty? And so I said, yeah. And so I was still working full-time at this health club. And then um, I started doing a little bit of this and they said, well, we want you to do more and more. And that's when I decided that, hey, it's time kind of to leave my traditional job and, and go out on my own. And then- Were they paying yeah. you? Oh, yeah, they were paying okay. me. Yep. But I was getting paid per gig, and then I thought, you know, myself, I still could do some training. I kind of slowly did training, and then I did speaking, and then as speaking grew, I did less training. And so,
1: that's kind of- Training like, of just like personal training?
0: Personal training. So, I was, uh, I was in management. I got out of management in 2007,
2: mm-hmm. and I
0: went full-time with Ontario Living. But it all began with this one event in, at Merrill Lynch, and then they put me on the big stage in 2008. And once I went on the big stage, um, then business took off. That's and so then I went full time speaking in two thousand eight. Did I you ever people good? No, I just hired a couple of people to help me with the business, I was booking me and taking care of travel and all that kind of stuff.
1: Did you have stage fright at any point, or were you questioning your abilities?
0: No, I, I really got some good mentors along the way, but I remember one guy saying to me um, at one of my presentations, he goes, you got a lot of talent, but you really don't know what you're doing. And I thought to myself, what does that <laughs> mean? So, I went to a speaker training in Chicago, and it was called Speak Like a Leader. And I really realized the science of speaking. And this is before I was a member of the National Speaking uh, National Speakers Association, which is fantastic. But I went there and I learned a lot about dynamics of where to stand and how to do pausing and all of the science of speaking. So, when I watch speakers now, I kind of really notice,
2: mm-hmm. you
0: know, the techniques of what they're doing. And then if you're anchoring a point, you need to tell a story. And, and then I started realizing I took all my stuff and I started really paying attention to the science of speaking. And when I started doing that, then I really, it just takes practice and repetitions. But I think the thing I love about speaking, it's just it's just, it's a performance. It's energy. It's, it's off the cuff. You have a plan that you're going to talk about, but it's just raw. And that's what makes it fun.
1: Well, since you, it, since this is like, since this is how you make a living and this is what you do professionally, you know, others, others struggle with this. You know, it's, it's like the, one of the hardest things that people sure. could possibly imagine doing. Did you ever have like a moment and did you overcome it where you kind of had that like the white lights syndrome, you know, you get up there and you blank for a second. Well,
0: I think, I think it's all progressions. I remember I took a speech class in college and I was just scared to death. And I had a two minute, three minute and a five minute presentation. I couldn't sleep the night before. And now I can speak for a couple of days. So it's just, it just took repetitions. And then the other thing too, I think a lot of people, you want to speak about something you really know a lot about, I think a lot of people are speaking about, I'll speak about this or that, but they don't really have the depth of that. And so for me, this is, it's easy for me to talk about, you know, my space. But if I was speaking about something else, it'd be a lot more difficult. And that's the, you know, I'm looking for stories every day. So when I'm flying or in a car or in a hotel, I'm looking for these raw stories. And how do you make that come alive? And that's kind of the, Mm. the art of it. But initially, yeah, it's it's just repetition. I'm speaking at a rotary. I'm speaking at a library. I'm doing all this stuff for nothing, and that all adds up over time. But I think of people really chasing their passion. You're you're excited about hearing that stuff, and so it wasn't really working. It was like you know, like I just mentioned, like you're actually going to pay me to do this, and then slowly over time, you know, you're starting to make more, and you're starting to learn about the business of speaking and. There's a lot to it. So, um, but yeah, for anybody listening or watching on your, your podcast, you, you want to start slowly, but really craft your message that, you know, what you're good at or what you, what's your expertise, because that's what I think people are struggling out there. More and more in speaking, people are looking for knowledge. They're looking for the education, not just motivation.
1: And what do you think is the latest health craze? Cause you mentioned that clearly there are fads out there and a lot of these things are fads, um, which, which kinda, which kind of, I always believe that that's what they are. And I, I try not to do them. Uh, what do you think is the latest craze and, um, or the latest scare that we're experiencing?
0: Well, I, I mean, every, you know, I wrote a blog about ketosis a while back and, mm-hmm. you know, ketosis has been around forever. My first bodybuilding contest back in the, early 80s was you wanted to get into ketosis. You'd cut your carbs out, and I felt like crap. And so people have to understand we need healthy fats. We need healthy proteins. We need healthy carbohydrates. In the 80s, the carbohydrates were the, you know, the, the lead leader. In 2000, and today, the carbs are the villains, and we just keep, it just keeps making a circle. So what people have to understand is really what we teach is the source. You know, where does it come from? So when you think of nutrition, really in balance, you really need to balance and need to pay attention to where's it coming from. Yeah. And then we need to get quality movement. We just need to move. It's not, it's not rocket science. And then you need to have some kind of re- way to rejuvenate the body. Are you getting a good night's sleep? Are you paying attention to your breathing? There's lots of things like that. So I think we just got to keep coming back to it's not like one extreme to the other. It's more towards the center. And I think that's really what we try to look at. Like, yeah, I understand mm-hmm. ketosis. I understand high-protein diet. I understand, you know, CrossFit. I understand all that. It's just basically somewhere in between and find stuff you like to do.
1: So, yeah, because everybody right now is going keto, right? And yeah. can, you, can you break that down for us as to why you believe it's not a long-term fix? Well, the big
0: thing of anytime you manipulate a macronutrient, a carb, protein, or fat, you're going to have a problem. Because the human body needs those. So, example, in the 80s, we cut out the fat. Well, that was hormonal nightmare because fats help with hormones. Well, carbohydrates, you get asked the question, what do carbohydrates do in the body? They're energy, they help make your body more alkaline, they help calm the body. So, when people cut these out, then they start having other issues. Their focus is amazing, but they can't relax. The neurotransmitters are out of whack digestive health has never been worse. I mean, so we need good carbs, we need good proteins, we need good fats. And so that's really where I wrote the article about ketosis. I went in the weeds and I talked about respiratory quotient. I'm an exercise physiologist. What does that mean? Well, it means if you don't have carbs, you don't have that extra fuel that you need when you need it. So the ketosis whole thing is I'm going to burn fat as fuel. Sounds great. But reality, long term, you're going to have issues with it. And we're seeing it now. We, we, we had issues with ketosis in the 50s. You know, they were using it for, um, you know, therapy for uh, seizures. Mm-hmm. But it was specific for seizures. It was specific not for the average person.
1: <laughs> not for losing weight.
0: Well, and, and again, people it off. lose weight because they're going to get more focused. Or you yeah. talk about uh, intermittent fasting. Sounds great. But if you get too much, then that's the sumo or wrestler. Sumo rustlers only eat one meal a day. So, you know, now they're, now you're messing with other things in the body. So we got to get out of the whole fat thing that Mm -hmm. does it really make sense for you to eat, you know, go without eating for 18 hours. Probably not because you got to kind of know what you're doing in that six
1: hour window. Do you you ever do that? What's that? Do you ever do it? Fasting? Oh, sure.
0: But (laughs) you got to know what you're doing because if you're not, if you're not, if you're fasting and you don't get the right nutrients, it's. When we talk about nutrition, most of the time, it's, it, it's what people are missing, and number two, what are they not absorbing? And so when I look at people's nutritional program, where's your B vitamins, where's your omega-3 fats, I mean, it just goes down the list. So if they don't really know what they're doing, they're just eating to get leaner, they're going to have other health issues down the road, and that's where I come in. I'm like, okay, uh, you know, the reason you're having problems with uh, you know, anxiety is because you have no calming nutrients in the body. You know, magnesium's down, B vitamins are down, you know. And now they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, you're not eating the right types of this. So that's really where all these diets come into. If you look at your numbers, homocysteine is, a, again, I don't want to get into two of the weeds here, but homocysteine is a, is a blood test that measures oxidation. So if a person's on a high, on the keto diet, generally their homocysteine levels will rise, which is a risk factor for heart disease. So people just don't know this stuff. Or testosterone, never seen a more of an epidemic of low testosterone in our country today. Why is that? We're not getting enough rest. We're not eating in the right foods.
1: That's the answer. So for all the men listening, get more rest.
0: You need more rest. If your cortisol levels are on, Uh they eat your building or your sex hormones. And so when people say, well, what does that mean? Well, if my stress levels are high, cortisol is up, adrenaline, epinephrine, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. that will leach. From your building or your sex hormones wow. so the first thing i talk about on stage when people are wow. like "Hey, how many of you are interested in having a better you know testosterone for both men and women it's not just for men they're like so testosterone sure. level look, for your listeners for men it should be 500 plus for women it should be 25 or plus so the next time you get a blood test that's an easy thing to know how you're aging because testosterone is the number one predictor of how you're aging hmm. so I want to know how you're um, aging. So the first thing I look at when I get my blood test back is my testosterone. And if I'm not getting enough rest, I have too much stress, generally testosterone levels will fall. And that's why we spend a lot of time in our, you know, in our capacity book, we spend a lot of time talking about rest. We tell stories about, you know, people have raised their testosterone levels, just getting more rest rejuvenation.
1: Wow. Well, I wrote that one down. I'm definitely going <laughs> to look into that one when I go. Yeah, we've
0: got, I've taken you down the, the rabbit hole here. But, yeah. No,
1: this is – it's fascinating so- stuff. I mean, we're talking about our life here, right? We're talking about um, heart disease, cancer, you know, all, uh, opioids. I mean, all these epidemics that are going on. And, you know well, – wh- one of the
0: questions you asked earlier is like, so these fads – I always go back to the beginning. Why oh. are you going to do X? So tell me why you're going to do the keto diet. Tell me, what so is your goal to lose weight? Yes. Generally, most people are doing that to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I could teach you how to lose weight, but you could have really good energy, you could have a great night's sleep, you'd have great blood levels, you'd have good testosterone, have good gut health. Are you interested? I am. Okay, so let's get, let's get out of that. My, my daughter and I are going to compete in a bodybuilding figure show in March. I haven't competed in about five years. Oh, that's so the awesome. 52 year old is going to go up late March and compete. So people are, we're going to track this on our, on our, mm-hmm. on our website. And we're going to show people how simple eating oatmeal, bananas, raisins, apples, you know, stuff that most bodybuilders don't eat. We'll be eating that because I want to show them that it can get, you can get leaner, but you also can get healthy at the same time. And that's really one of my drivers for this bodybuilding contest is I want to, show people that you can do this. And then I'm going to pay attention to my sleeping and how I'm in training and all that stuff that goes with it.
1: So you're trying to change the way athletes prepare for bodybuilding or for, yeah, essentially for competitions, right?
0: Or, or just general, I'm going to get a little leaner. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You don't have to get crazy and do stupid stuff. You just can do this slowly over time. You just pay attention. Most diets work because it's a focused attention.
1: What is your typical, if you don't mind sharing, your typical day look like? In terms of your, your diet?
0: Get up in the morning, I would do the same thing, water. Sometimes I'll take lemon. Then I do five ice cubes of wheatgrass because it's high in minerals, just ice cubes. I just do that. And then from there, I do my cod liver oil, which is an omega-3 fat. And then generally this morning, I had oatmeal with uh, apples and raisins, cacao powder, um, some walnuts, and uh, cashew milk. So that's my beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. And... and then- and, and do you do this, uh, I take it oatmeal is just pure 100%, like no sugar added, right? The source. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So everything that I put in my oatmeal is one ingredient.
1: So, and do you, do you, does it need to be organic? Uh,
0: you know, as well, I tell people wherever they go, again, start with the source, get close to the source. But then as they do that more often, whatever they eat the most of, whatever you eat the most of, then you probably want to slowly take that up maybe to more of an organic version. So yeah, so we even sell uh, organic oatmeal on our website because we promote it so much. But as people get a habit or building blocks of their routine down, then over time they can slowly add a little more variety. So today I put apples and raisins in there, and maybe tomorrow I might use uh, blueberries and a different type of nuts. So, mm-hmm. But once you get the routine down, then you start experimenting and make it the way you like it. And I think that's the magical, what we, what we teach is, it's not a diet, it's just uh, teaching people learning how to pivot. I mean, once you learn, like to learn how to make a, a, a plan, and it's not hard, you just make it, and then you slowly have the education that you can mix and match as you need to. And that's, that's, and now their blood work gets better, they feel better, they sleep better, and they're like, my joints don't ache as much anymore, my inflammation's down, my blood pressure's lower. I'm excited about so, how I feel.
1: Something's working, right? Something's working. Well, yeah. Well, you know, you, you're, you're 62, and when I'm your age, I would love to have the energy and the looks still. So, keep going. What else do you do the rest of the day? How many meals are you actually eating right now? So,
0: normally, I would probably eat about four times a day. Mm-hmm. So, I usually try to go 12 to 14 hours without eating. So, if I've eaten at 7, 8 o'clock at night, I'm not eating again until you know, 7.30 to 9 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes I'll go 14, 15, 16 hours without eating.
1: Oh, so you you are fasting every day? I'm
0: I'm using, I always tell all my clients a 12-hour fast overnight. Okay. 12 hours is easy. And as they get more comfortable, maybe they do a couple days a week of 14 hours. 16 hours is a little harder, but once in a while it's fine. But 12 hours is easy for most people. Then after I've done that, I've done my morning ritual. But normally um, during the day, I'll eat some form of a big salad for lunch. I usually don't eat a lot of meat before dinner. Mm
2: -hmm. So
0: I do eat meat, but I don't really eat any animal protein before dinner. So lunch will be... Hemp seeds and nuts and you know, vegetables or leftovers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm traveling, I just do the best I can. But normally, I'm going to eat some big salad for lunch. And then I'm a big fan of apples, got digestive issues, acid reflux. Mm-hmm. Eat, you know, I'm a big apple guy every day or a banana. And then I like macadamia nuts and Brazil nuts. And so, I'm kind of mixing in fruit and nuts and fats and all that stuff throughout the day. And then dinner yeah. is usually simple, it's either you know, buffalo or flank steak or chicken or salmon and baked vegetables. I love potatoes. <laughs> I eat a lot, lot of potatoes. So that's the typical day for me.
1: You, a, the the potatoes, you probably like bake them, right?
0: Bake them. Um, we'll, uh, you know, we'll use a, 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 like uh, we, last night, we, she just baked them. We had a, like a bunch of vegetables with some uh, a buffalo. But normally what we'll do is we'll cut them up, peel them, and just put them on a cookie sheet with some olive oil, Mm. And we'll gotta, bake so them. Like, yep, so they're like fries type thing. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. without actually putting them into a deep fryer. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, them. And would that usually cut cut you off? Like, say you have that what six seven p.m. and would that be it for the, yeah, for the like day? Last
0: night, yeah. And then like seven o'clock. And then is I'm getting, I'm paying attention right now because I'm getting ready. But uh, like last night, I just had some ginger uh, tea at night. So it's just real simple stuff at night, or sometimes I'll take a couple frozen ice cubes a week. <laughs> that sounds really, really yummy, right? <laughs> but we just came off the holidays, you know, so, man, yeah, it's a true. time to get busy. So, but yeah, that's generally a typical day, it looks like.
1: So you're not, no snacking really, besides like the apples and the nuts throughout the day, right? That's it?
0: Well, well you know, my, I really like raisins, so sometimes I have to kind of stay away from my, I, I, kind of, I eat too many of them. So, I have too many raisins, but yeah, I'm always snacking something. I'm a big fan of dried mangoes or dried figs, mm-hmm. a couple of Brazil nuts. So, that's my snack. I like that kind of stuff because it's sweet, and then I got the protein and the fat from the nuts. So, it allows me to be satisfied by the same time. And then uh, I'll make a smoothie probably three or four times a week. That might be an afternoon snack, or it might be even be lunch, depends on what, 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 what I'm doing. So. Exactly. But you want to make it, it simple for people.
1: Yeah. And are you working out every day?
0: Every day I'm moving my body.
1: In terms of just moving because you're on the go or working out, like actually tuning Uh, out?
0: I usually do some form of stretching every day. Mm -hmm. So as I've gotten older, I spend a lot more time stretching. So we have a dynamic foundation routine on our website. You can watch the videos, but that's a five to eight minute routine. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of restorative movements my ankles, my calves, my hips. So I spend a lot of time doing that. You know, last night we were watching. Uh, a a documentary and I'm doing a bunch of stretches while I'm kind of in the living room, but I'm lifting weights. I do a three day strength routine, chest and back, shoulders and arms, and lower body, mix that up. And I play paddle ball. And so I like to play activities, but yeah, I kind of use that up. And so again, for your listeners, they can go to our website and they'll see tracking what we're going to be doing for the next three months, getting ready for this
1: contest. Where do we, uh, where do we find that exactly? Just on our
0: website. Yep. Just on our living.com.
1: Is it going to be on the main page?
0: I'll send it to you so you can okay. share it with your, your audience.
1: Definitely. And you, mentioned, you didn't really mention any cardio. So I'm, I'm over here sitting freaking out because I'm told my whole life that I need to do cardio every day. Um, you
0: can't out exercise a bad diet. So that's what I tell everybody. So cardio, I always want to, cardio is a lot, good things for a lot of things. It's good for your brain. It's good for your body. But about 15, 20 minutes is all you need. So, I don't spend a lot of time doing cardio. Again, that's another myth. People think they're going to do more cardio.
1: 15, 20 minutes every day or a couple times a week?
0: Oh, you know, pretty much every day or every other day. Yeah. But
1: How, I mix what do you do? In. Like run or?
0: I'll run, uh, play. I play paddleball a lot. So, I kind of look at that as my cardio some days. I'll do uh, just some stuff in the gym where I'm getting my heart rate up. And then mm-hmm. I'll, sometimes I'll do uh, specific machines like an AMT or elliptical or something like that, where I want to kind of just chill out and relax. So, but I'm trying to get, I always want to try to get a sweat. I always tell people, try to get a sweat because your body eliminates toxins by sweating. So you need to sweat, you know, at least a handful of times a week.
1: Do you think it's bad to do extended cardio? Like say you're training for half marathon or, you know, triathlon. Well,
0: it's it training specificity. So if I'm training for a marathon, I got to put those time in. Okay. But if you're looking for just overall general fitness and health, 15 to 20 minutes, because what happens over time, people are going to beat up their body. I'm a big fan of the mini trampoline. Mm. So, the mini trampoline is a nice thing that's very soft, good for your joints, works your lymphatic system. And I don't need to spend a lot of time doing it. So, I have two mini trampolines here at my house. I have two at our um, headquarters. So, it's a big thing we really promote. But Anytime you can work to move the body a little bit, that's a good thing. And again, getting your heart rate up is a good thing. But I don't, the, the 30, 40, 60 minutes of cardio, unless you're training for something specific like a marathon or triathlon, it's kind of, you're diminishing your returns on your investment.
1: Is it bad for like your heart or your joints if you do so much?
0: And it could be a lot of things. What happens is you're going to get, your posture is going to start to fall apart, usually for most people. You're going to have the same muscles being used repetitively. So mm-hmm. over time, you're going to get, you know, tight hip flexors, or your back's going to get tight, or you're going to put a lot more stress in your, you know, your joints. And so that's what I see in my space now. A lot of these people have been doing these repetitive movements now are having issues. And the other thing too, everybody's busy. So I don't know about you, but We're all
1: busy, I, too busy really for everything.
2: I
0: want to spend 45 minutes of cardio when I really need to spend more time working on my flexibility or my strength or it needs to be balanced mm-hmm. so that's where i think more and more people when i go to the gym i see them doing the cardio and i don't see them doing anything else and then they, they their their capacity starts to shrink you know they can only do so many things over time so as i age i want to have that flexibility that strength i want to hold on to it as long as i can and i think that's where more and more people back to the original question we talked about earlier is what's the goal So if you sit down, most people, what is your goal for your Mm -hmm. fitness? I would say, hey, you know, we do movement screens. I'm a big fan of the movement screens. You know, can you do this? You're like, no. I go, well, then let's spend a little more time doing this than doing that. You're like, oh, okay, that's easy. That's not hard. But I think that's the issue. Most people do cardio because they want to control their weight. Yes. And it's a very inefficient way to lose weight.
1: And for all the listeners that want to find out, find all these videos and see exactly what you're talking about, the best place for them to go to would be your website, right? On as well as yep. the YouTube page. Right?
0: Yeah. And again, like you mentioned earlier, we have a new app. And so part of the app is we wanted to tra- take our methodology and show people 21 steps of how to, you know, how to do this, how to get, and then you're going to see new stuff coming up each month, helping that. But yeah, so that that big part, and again, they can watch us kind of, we're going to show videos of our training as we're getting ready, but it's the same stuff we do all the time. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, we're getting ready for a contest, just sharpening the saw a little bit.
1: And the app's available, right? I, uh, Uh, Apple and Google, right? I'm assuming both.
0: Just come right to our website and they can find out more about that. And if they have any questions, I'll I'll give you my content, uh, my contact information too. You can reach out to us
1: directly. Definitely. And um, I guess kind of just going one step further with all this, because at the end of the day, we're trying to live our best life, right? We're trying to live longer. We're trying not to get our disease, such as say cancer and heart disease, right? The number one, number two or yep. the two and one killers uh in the US for example uh, do you think we're going down the right path as as a war, as a country for example or could no, we be doing actually, better
0: no. No, no no so i go back sometimes i'll share some statistics right at the beginning but i mean look at type 2 diabetes in 1970 we had 500,000 type 2 diabetics today we have 35 million in the united states and when I was growing up, mm-hmm. I was born in the 50s. But in the early 60s, your chances of having type 2 diabetes were 1 in 4,000. Today, it's 1 in 3. Wow. Are we going in the better direction? <laughs> the answer no. It's not just United States, too. It's a global. So like mm-hmm. a couple years ago, I, tri- I spoke all over the world. It's a global problem. So obesity, I mean, we have more health clubs we have more information we, than we've ever had. And obesity has never been higher. Type 2 diabetes has never been higher. Cholesterol is a $1 trillion industry. Testosterone levels low. I mean, I can't even watch um, Frank Thomas anymore talking about new Newgenics. New I mean, I'm going to lose my yeah. mind. You know, because we don't, we don't understand it. So we got to get back and go, okay, what's causing all these issues you know, we're working too much, we're stressed, we're not eating right, we're not moving our bodies, we're not getting a good night's sleep. It's basics. And we're not get. we need to get back to basics. And I think sometimes, as you know, in your profession, it's confusing to people.
1: You know, It so is. You hear everything. You so hear I, you everything. Know,
0: you hear, yeah, yeah. So we wanted to be that, you know, <laughs> and my son said, we did a video and he goes, dad, you just got to tell him you've been doing this for you know, 35 years. It's nothing, you know, it's the same stuff. But it's not sexy. You teach people how to build a habit. You do it one step at a time. And now you're yeah. living your best life. And it's, not, it's effortless. And that's really what we like to tell people. It's like, don't do this. New Year's revolu- re- resolutions are coming. Don't do all that. Just do one thing. Get up in the morning, drink water. Get an omega-3 fat. Stretch out during the day. Take micro breaks. I mean, that's the blocking and tackling that adds up. And then once you get it, then you add another one, and then you add another one, and the next thing you know, because growing up, I was a terrible eater growing up. So,
1: can you see me? So, kind of going moving up, you know, forward with that. You mentioned money, and this is something like I could. I'm so into it. I could talk about this for days. So, I'm. Gonna, I don't want to keep it keep you too long. But oh no, I'm good. Do you think that that has a lot to do with it? Like, is there, is there a reason why cancer and heart disease are so popular nowadays? Like, is there a push? Like, you know, as bad as it sounds, is there a push by, by our, you know, by the systems that we live in place, you know, or is there a push towards well, those diseases?
0: Yeah, one of the things we talk about that our demands have never been higher and our capacity shrinking. The other one is stress is, stress is everywhere. So, again, when you think about stress, you know, there's no such as good and bad stress. But the big thing I like to talk a lot about is medical illiteracy. There's no other profession that we know this least about. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to buy a car or get a pair of shoes or whatever, everybody has an idea what it costs. In the medical world, if you ask most people, when you go get a blood test, and your blood test is out of balance, what are you going to do? You're going to take a medication. If your blood pressure is mm-hmm. too high, do you know the number one way to lower blood pressure is changing how you breathe? It's not taking an angiotensin drug or a, a diuretic. It's changing your nervous system, and that's how you breathe. But people are like, can you imagine that being taught on TV, learning how to do diaphragmatic breathing and breath awareness? It's the best way to lower blood pressure. There's no money in it. If you have people have a lot of inflammation, I mean, where opioids have never been higher, it's like, okay, why do people take all these opioids? Because they don't feel good. Well, if you've got people to probably feel better, you, you know, opioids have their they're benefits, but when you're prescribing them like left and right because people don't feel good, they're not sleeping well or too much inflammation. So, so the challenging thing is, is educating our population to have more control over their life. And I think that's the bis- missing piece in our mm-hmm. world is they, they don't know this. Cholesterol, I've never had anybody not get off their cholesterol medication in 30 plus years if they're willing to change their lifestyle. So when you're going to your doctor sometimes, the answers, you know, and, and, and I worked for a doctor for a couple of years, they only have eight minutes to work with you. Mm-hmm. If you're going in there and you're not sleeping, well, you got to step back and like, they're not going to help you in eight minutes. They're going to give you something to help you sleep versus reality is, why don't we know how to sleep better? Why don't we know how to eat better? Why don't we know how to, you know? So you have, I think, two, two spectrums. You got people doing all this over here and you got other people doing nothing. And then somewhere in between. So, yeah, it's a big big problem, but we're not getting better. So when you think of cancer, heart disease, or digestive health issues, it all begins with your immune system, and we're not doing a good job understanding that. That's why I tell people, if you can just do, uh, change how you breathe, do some water or lemon, and eat an apple, that's a huge thing for improving your digestion, because if you're stressed, you're not going to have good digestion, period. Mm -hmm. So it sounds so simple.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: And that's how you build it. Mm -hmm. And then you build it and you build it and you build it. And so when I've worked with people and they've started over here, I had one woman that had 25 medications and within two and a half years, I got her down to two, but we didn't do that overnight. I didn't even tell her we're going to do this. All I said is we're going to do this, Mm -hmm. Follow this process. We're not even going to pay attention to medications. And then as she started doing this, one medication disappeared and another one disappeared and that's how the human body. Because we all know if you cut your hand, what happens to your hand in a couple days? It'll heal. It'll heal. But we're not taught this stuff. So to me, two things we're not taught in school is finance and, and health. And we need to do a better job of that. So for me, I 100% agree. The time I have on my, the planet, you know, I don't know, I think I got about 40 plus years left. <laughs> we're going to keep trying to Help, and there's a lot of people out there trying to talk about prevention. We need to spend more time talking about it.
1: it so I'm assuming you don't take any medication at all. I not, or? I have never, like ever, or I, probably since you were younger, right?
0: Well, I think the only time I took a medication, I took Vicodin and morphine when I was I ruptured my patella tendon playing basketball in 2000. So I realized right away.
1: Kind of had no choice there, right? Man, that,
0: that morphine stuff <laughs> is amazing. But, but right away, it was interesting because I took Vicodin and they put me on morphine after I injured my knee and then I went and had surgery and they came back and said, hey, are you still on your, this is in rehab like eight weeks later. And I'm like, no, I haven't been on my Vicodin after three days because I was so constipated. Well, we can't do rehab on you because you're going to have too much pain. And I'm like, well, pain's not a bad thing. Pain's going to tell me whether what? it's overdoing it or not doing yeah. it. That's the protocol when I went to therapy that everybody needs to be on their pain meds while they're going through therapy. Well, my background is, that doesn't make any sense at all. I want to know exactly if my therapy is too aggressive or not aggressive. You know what I mean? So pain, we always think pain's a bad thing. Pain tells you that your body's out of balance and it tells you that, you know, your hands over the stove, there's a problem. So I think that's the issue you have, you know, in our industry, there's so much lack of knowledge and there's so much information information is not knowledge. It's taking the information and the knowledge and actually turn it into a practice. And that's a big difference because people, a lot of people know stuff, but they don't know what to do or they're not actually doing it. So that's a big thing we always talk about. It's not what you know, it's what you're actually doing. That's really knowing is when you're doing.
1: So this is more like, conspiracy-ish. And I don't know how you feel about it, but do you think there is a cure for cancer? And is any of this to do with population control?
0: Well, I don't. Yeah. So I, <laughs> that's a That's a. I I think the big thing for cancer, along with heart disease, is we yeah. have to build a better immune system. Because
1: how, how do we do that?
0: It all begins in the gut. Okay. So when a person has better digestive health, I mean, think about all your all the cancer therapy coming out there now is all based on immune system, increasing immune system. Back in the day, when you used to get sick, I would get sick. My mom would make sure I get enough sleep, make sure I'm getting enough fluids. I mean, it just, but we're not doing that. So can you imagine um, when people are at a level where they're very fragile, that can lead to lots of problems. We've never had more digestive health issues in the United States than we have today. So we just start digestive health, whether it's acid reflux or IBS or, you know, gluten intolerances or whatever it is, but it all begins in the gut. So if you're trying to help with cancer, you got to help people understand you got to boost your immune system. And if you're not boosting that immune system naturally, you know, and you don't have things in place, you're going to set yourself up for more um, chances of having some of these problems.
1: Do you have some quick tips for us about what we can do to boost that?
0: Well I think the big thing for immune system is understanding a little bit having self-awareness that do you have enough recovery during your day? Because when you have enough recovery, you know this. When you're completely rested, you can handle a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, you can crank through your podcast, you can do lots of work. But when I get a crummy night's sleep, my immune system just by one hour less drops ten percent. Ten percent, one hour. Wow. So one thing I focus on every day is I really pay attention to getting Ideally, it doesn't always happen, but I try to get at least eight hours of sleep. Number two, I try to take micro breaks during my day. I'm gonna, after we're done with this, I'm going to take, take a little break. So it could be a minute, could be 30 seconds. I'm paying attention to my breath, and then I really pay attention to my gut health with what I eat. That's why apples are so amazing for gut health. Mm-hmm. I had a guy that had, <laughs> had gout, and he goes, you're charging me a lot of money to tell me to eat an apple. I'm like, yeah, how's your gout? <laughs> I don't have it anymore. So when you get people to understand chlorophyll is huge for the gut, that's why we're a big promoter of wheatgrass and spirulin acrylic, because it helps with the immune system, It also helps keep the gut healthy. So there's certain things you can do relatively simple to keep your immune system strong, and that's resting, eating, and moving. That's why we came up with that methodology.
1: So you... You try to strive for eight hours every day, huh?
0: I try to strive for eight hours a day. What
1: what about the whole like other sleeping methods, you know, the, you know, sleeping 15 minutes every two hours and, you know, I'm sure the, uh,
0: well, if you're not getting, so as the sleep cycle goes on, you get into more REM sleep. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to hack your sleep, you're never going to get into deep REM sleep. And we know right now dementia and Alzheimer's, is really a, a big part of amyloid plaque buildup and amyloid plaque builds up in the brain and if you're not getting enough REM sleep REM is the time that the amyloid plaque is being cleansed mm-hmm. and so when people aren't sleeping are not getting enough REM sleep that's a real problem for you know, brain health so again let's not try to keep hacking our health let's just build some practices around that and so when I hear people saying oh I'm gonna do this I'm oh, I only need three hours of sleep well if you want to die early, yeah, three hours of sleep, but I don't want to die early. So.
1: Well, like, what about like, do you ever, do you ever look into like Nikola Tesla and like how he slept, you know, he had the, his whole crazy habit of, you know, 20 minutes every couple hours and sort of Da Vinci and they still both kind of lived long lives.
0: Well, yeah. So again, they're kind of a freak show, but they, you know, that that might work. But to me, there's nothing better being refreshed and having the eight hours. And, we, and back in the, before the light bulb was invented, we were mm-hmm. sleeping 10 hours a night. So we're just, in the last 50 years, really, really starting to, and we've never had more of a sleep problem we have today, especially in the United States. Fastest growing group of medications is sleep medications. Well,
1: because we're, we're freaked out constantly that we're not doing enough. Enough's not done. Life is passing us by. Like that's, that's kind of the message we get, right? Well, I, I, really
0: like, I really like Cal Newport's work on deep work because he talks about deep work and shallow work. And one of the things he does is like he time blocks. Again, Brian Moran's on your podcast. It's all about time blocking. I'm a big time blocker guy.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: I'll take a block of time. And when I'm done with that time, you know, I'm done. And then I have my list, but then I block time for those. And then when it's... Five thirty, six 6 o'clock, whenever you decide you want to be done, you're done. Versus to me as an entrepreneur, it's easy to kind of just keep working, working, working and thinking, Super thinking, and thinking. And then the next thing you know, I get this celebration in my brain. I go to bed. We've all done this. I can't shut it down. So now I'm not sleeping anymore. When reality is like I'm done. And if you have something that I have a notepad on my bed stand that I just make a note if I have something that's bothering me and then I write it down and then I try to let it go. But I think we need to have more strategies to help people shut it down. Technology is amazing, but I think technology is killing our society right now because we don't know how to use it. You know, the average person right now is on two hours of Facebook a day. Mm-hmm. It's just too much.
1: Yeah, I mean, we should, we should be getting paid for that, right? It's like it's 14 we, hours a week right there.
0: <laughs> we talk a lot about, um, you know, people are like, when well, my space, when I'm talking to people, they're, they're running out of space. Mm-hmm. that's why we wrote capacity they love what they're doing they just don't feel like they have any time in their life anymore and they don't have time to sleep and they don't have time to do the, i mean so the next thing you know everything's just I'm, I'm constantly in frenzy that i can't i can't shut this down When the reality is like if you block your day out a little bit more and be kind of a, a little more flow i think more and more people can create and they feel good and they're going to be in their zone where they want to be. They want to be thinking and creating and doing all the stuff they're doing. So part of what we wrote capacity about is we felt like if people didn't, weren't taking care of their resting and they're eating and they're moving, they're not going to perform at a high level, but we, we don't think that way. Let's, let's just work more, sleep less,
2: mm-hmm.
0: produce more when reality is. And then at the end of the day, you you, you're, you, you said this, you know, earlier, I have terrible relationships. I don't have good energy. My blood work's not good. My health is not good. But, man, I'm producing more. Mm-hmm. So what? You know?
1: What does that matter if you pass out and it that's matter.
0: it? It doesn't matter. And, again, you asked a great question. Do you really like what's going on in your world? And sometimes, you know, we're all working hard, but I think it's a huge link. in some of the people I work with, that they make so much money, but they're so unhappy because they don't have any space in their life. And I think when you give people space, then allows them to, to enjoy what they're doing. Everybody's working hard, I'm mm-hmm. working hard, but I also want to have space. And, and, it's, and it's nice because when people have space, what happens? They, they feel their best, they perform, it's amazing. Can you imagine you know,
1: they if you come up comes, with new ideas?
0: You come up with new ideas, imagine taking one or two days, that's why I like Brian Moran's 12 week year, because it mm-hmm. takes time, to kind of recover and that's what I think more and more people are missing
1: how do you how do you take space like from your family for example sometimes you need to just totally clear out right yeah is that I mean, hard?
0: sometimes you just got stuff going on or I'm traveling so part of me is a lot of times when I'm on the road I have space but I'm not with my family so that's sometimes so, it gets it gets hard but mm-hmm. the other thing too I'm doing a lot better job than I used to is I look at my calendar that I have to have these recovery. My testosterone level dropped almost 200 points about seven years ago. It was because I was on the road too much. I wasn't getting enough rest. I was watching Kevin Hart's uh, documentary last night. I'm like, you know, Elvis Presley, go back in time. The reason Elvis Presley dies because they had him doing 150 gigs in three months. I mean, it just kills people. So I see this in corporate America. They got all these meetings, they're working too many hours. I talked to a guy the other day. He's, uh, he's a a big leader in one of these um, healthcare companies and he works 70 hours a week. He's 56 years old. I said, is this going to slow down? He goes, no. I'm saying then I don't think we have a lot to talk about because if you're going to work 70 hours a week Mm -hmm. and you're not going to willing to change anything, you're probably not going to have space to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. So I think that's the thing I, I talk to more and more people is like, what do you want your life to look like? I mean, that's what your podcast is all about. You know, design, exactly. design it the way you want it. And again, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Some days I'm working 14 hours. I mean, I'm just crushing it. But then other days I got to make sure I got enough recovery plan mm-hmm. in there that even though I might work 14 hours, I'm still taking some breaks throughout the day to help me feel and be performing at a high level. Just 14 hours doesn't cut it. You know, just time does not cut it. It's energy what, what cuts it. So to yeah cuz energy during the day.
1: Exactly. Cuz what how how quality are those hours, right? <laughs> Someone says they put in 18 20 but how much of that were you awake? <laughs> You're,
0: You're not. Producing. So and then again, how do you feel at the end of that time? I mean, now it takes you two or three days to recover to get back to your normal self. So to me, it's really I like I said, you know, Cal Newport's talking a lot about deep work and there's it's he always says this is nothing new but we just need to practice it more. It's the same thing what we teach. is It's nothing new that you need to drink more water and maybe add a lemon or eat an apple or move your body daily or get in good night's sleep. It's just that people aren't practicing it. And then they're trying to take shortcuts to help them. And I'm like, that shortcut's not going to... You can't hack your health. There's yeah. a lot of people out there in my space that are trying to, and, they, and the people like to gleam onto that, but I'm like, nah, that's not going to work.
1: You're, you're, looking, gonna, you're looking as a... You're looking at this as a long-term investment, not the short, little-term ones. To
0: me, I find more and more people, when they feel good, they want to continue to feel good. And let's, let's forget about dieting. Let's forget about this crazy exercise program. Let's forget about hacking your sleep.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's get you to feel good and develop a plan that you can sustain that fits into your world. And that's what we believe that it needs to fit into your world because intrinsic motivation is the magic. Because when people are doing it because they want to, it's is a lot different than because they have to. It's
1: a beautiful thing. Well, Chris, I could, I could keep talking about this for days. You know, <laughs> I'm not even in your, in your industry, but all this stuff is just so pop- to to popular. Yeah, it definitely has. And um, right now, uh, last but not least, we are on to our listeners' favorite segment of the show. Welcome to the round with no name because they're all taken. All right. So I hope you prepared. I I guess you can't really prepare because I'm going to throw some curveballs at you and make sure, make sure you're really awake this morning, (laughs) but, uh, you're going to get five seconds to initiate an answer. Okay. Um, otherwise my producer, Steve Wiley, (laughs) he he lurks and he comes out of the dark and I don't want
2: to,
1: I don't want to have to deal with him. Yeah. (laughs) But here we go. What is your favorite book?
0: Uh, Jim Collins, good, great.
1: I thought for sure you were going to say twelve week here.
0: <laughs> I like that one too. I like man search for meaning, but I think Jim Collins is one that I really like his audiobook. So if your listeners haven't listened to his mm-hmm. audiobook, it's it's nice
1: to listen him talk. And that's he, what I mean, is that, what I is it well. about?
0: It's about really uh, taking uh, a company from good to great, and then there's all sorts of different pieces. But one of the things I like about inside the book, it's about your three circles. And I always talk to people about that. Number one is, do you have passion for what you do? Number two, um, does it drive the economic engine? Can you make money doing what you're doing? And last but not least, can you be the best in the world? And so I always look at that. It, it, am I passionate about what I'm doing? Like I use golf as an example. I love golf. I'm passionate about it. Can I make money doing? It? Absolutely not. Can I be the best in the world? No. So that's a hobby. <laughs> okay so that's that's what (laughs) i was a good
1: way to shut you down
0: (laughs) that's what i that's what i gleaned from this
1: book your favorite movie
0: oh gosh I, i think it would be um it's a wonderful life
1: classic say you're stranded on an island what is the one item you want with you but it can't be a person
0: it can't be a person yes um a spear
1: Ooh, that's that's a good one i think I've heard weapon before, like a knife, but spear is, is pretty original. That's good. That's good. Say you had a hundred million dollars right now and you had to start up a business and it can't be your own though. What would it be?
0: Um, I think it would be something in healthcare, uh, is an alternative for traditional insurance.
1: Huh? I've, I've heard insurance. Um, it's not the first time I've heard insurance.
0: So it'd be, it'd be an alternative to our traditional, mm-hmm. there's gotta be a better way than what we're doing right now.
1: That's uh that's a, I mean, that's a big problem. So that's a, uh, that's a, a good one. It's a good one. How do you drink your coffee?
0: I do not drink coffee at all. Huh? I'm not a coffee guy. I don't even like the taste of it. Do you, uh, tea? I do drink tea. What kind? Ginger tea. I like uh, uh, basically cinnamon. So anything like that. I like ginger, cinnamon, anything like
1: that. I noticed no caffeine. Is there a reason?
0: Um, Just because generally I drink more of the tea later, so I usually do it later.
1: Do you stay away from caffeine like fully for a reason?
0: Not, 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 not necessarily. Just before bed, that kind of thing. But no, I'm not. But I don't really. Again, I I don't really feel like I need caffeine to kind of mm-hmm. keep my energy level. You know, I remember back in the day, people were asking me, hey, can I get you a cup of coffee when I work in the factory? I'm like, no, I don't like the cup. I don't like coffee. Why do you wake up? I'm like, I sleep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the <laughs> magic answer. I caffeine. sleep. I love it. <laughs> but like food
0: to keep my energy
1: level up. Are you against caffeine? Because say like, like, Someone that drinks, I, I'm a big green tea drinker. You know, I'll have three, four, no, five. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not a
0: uh, I, I just remember if if it becomes overconsumed, it's a drug, like anything else. So, are you using it for certain purposes, or is it just part of what you do, like drinking green tea? So,
1: for the people, benefits,
0: I think there's some benefits to it, but again, there can be other things because it does raise your blood pressure. It does is it is a stimulant, so. Um, I think that, again, back to the center, just in moderation. So if you're drinking throughout the day to keep your energy level high, then we got a problem. If you're doing it just in the morning as a quick pick me up and that you like it, that's part of your routine, not a problem at all. But I think it's like anything else, it can be over consumed.
1: So the key is moderation with everything.
0: Yeah. Because again, if I'm drinking too much caffeine, then it's going to affect my neurotransmitters that help my body relax. And then AFib has never been higher in our country. So atrial fibrillation is, a, and a lot of it has to do with overstimulation, especially from some of the things we're eating or not eating.
1: Like what else, what else could it could be attributing to that?
0: Well, AFib is generally a, a lack of magnesium. And so when a body, you're doing too much caffeine, it makes the body a little bit more acidic. And when your body becomes more acidic, you're going to be leaching minerals out of the body, including magnesium. And the next thing you know, they don't realize how that contributes to a little mineral depletion. So, again, we're not talking enough about that. So, again, that's why I'm not a big fan of, you know, whatever it is alcohol or coffee or all these things that in too much excess is going to cause other issues.
1: So, do you, do you ever consume alcohol? I do. I do. Uh, well, what, what's like, so what's the most you would ever have like in one sitting, like two, three? Two or three. Yeah. Okay.
0: Sometimes I mean over the, over the holidays, I think I had four glasses of wine. I'm like, well, I didn't feel very good the next day. So, but I really don't have a huge desire to drink too much. So that's never been an issue for me. Maybe back in the college days, but I just like how I feel when I get up. So if I drank, you know, more than two, then I probably just don't feel. And then there's a blood test called GFR. It's a kidney function that people are drinking too much. They will have um, a drop in GFR. And so you see that a lot with people that are drinking too much alcohol or energy Mm -hmm. drinks or things along that lines, but yeah, yeah, I'm not a anti alcohol or anti caffeine person at all. It's just a matter of what are you doing it for? And if you're overdoing it,
1: Uh, That's that's a very, very good way of looking at it. And was there one item though, that you, uh, do you consume every day that you can't go a day without, or maybe it's something you just wear on you. But it's like one thing that you won't go a day without.
0: Well, if I'm at home, there's a couple things I do every day, and that's wheatgrass and cod liver oil. It's the omega three fat, and it's the minerals. So every day, those are two things that are going into my body. And spirulina, chlorella is another one. So those are some of our superfoods. But you know, almost every day I eat some form of ancient grain. So I'm a big fan of oatmeal and amaranth and teff. So I'm always doing that. I probably most days I eat raisins and some nuts. So. Yeah. There's certain things I eat. I probably, what, what do I eat too much of? I eat <laughs> raisins. I just like them. So, or I buy our, our dried mangoes. I can't stop eating them. So anyway,
1: I swear it's like you've seen this question before the interview. Cause you took it and ran with it. <laughs> you knew exactly what to say. <laughs> no, no curveballs here. Uh, who has been, or is your greatest mentor?
0: Oh, I think I learned a lot from my parents. You know, they, they, they came up and, Um, They didn't live very healthy lifestyles, but um, I I learned a lot from both my mom and dad. And then I had an amazing mentor when I was uh, at this health club named Al Arns, and he helped me kind of start writing books. And so along the way, I'm a big fan. I've had many mentors in my life, and and I try to do that as I get older. I'm always trying to help you know younger folks that if they're interested. But uh, yeah, I've had many great mentors along the ways, and I've had a lot of really good friends that I've you know mentored from, they've really helped me in certain ways. And, um, and again, as I learn a lot from my kids, you know, as they get older and it's fun to watch my kid's parent now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, their mom did a great job, (laughs) but yeah, I've had some good mentors.
1: And last but not least, if I drove out, drove out there since I'm not too far from Chicago to Michigan. And I'm like, Chris, I got a proposal for you. It's going to make you millions and i step into your office and i'm wearing socks and sandals how would you uh how would you how how seriously would you take that meeting
0: Uh, i think appearance doesn't really it's it's not once i got to know you and create a relationship with you i don't really care what you're wearing so i mean casual is what we do all the time at our place so um but i really do would like you to come visit us some point in time and Bring your, you don't want to wear your sandals and your socks <laughs> at this time of year.
1: But, uh, not in Michigan. Not in Michigan. No, Michigan yeah. is beautiful. I'll, I'll wait till the summer. <laughs> I wait till the summer. So, yeah. All the greens. Awesome. Well, Chris Johnson, uh, everybody be sure to check out on targetliving.com. From there, you can uh, check out his books, the app on Target Living uh, Experience, the YouTube channel, and plenty, plenty more. Um, the, the mic is yours. You know, I want to I thank you so much, Chris, for uh, being on today. I really appreciate the time. This is definitely going to be a very, very jam-packed episode with so many goodies, so I can't wait to share it. And uh, the mic is yours if you want to share any final, any final thoughts.
0: No, I just salute you. I think you're doing a lot of great stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of folks out there kind of on the fringe thinking that maybe they want to do their own gig. And uh, I think the big thing I want to share with everybody is that I didn't just jump into it. It was a slow process. So I think that's the thing you want to look at. Is, and the other thing, too, I think more and more people I kind of talk to them about is um, giving yourself a little space to step back and say, hey, am I going in the direction I want to go in? And so I had a couple of good mentors along the way that were like, what do you really want to be doing? And it really helped me step back and spend time each week of what I wanted to do. And then I slowly progressed into kind of going in this direction. So I think that's two things taken away is, is give yourself a little bit of space uh, think about what you want to do. And then um, you don't have to jump into anything. It could be a slow progression. And um, and I think when you want to say yourself, what, what do I want my life to look like when I wake up um, when I'm 50 or 60 years old? I think that's a driver for a lot of people. And I think helping people, like you're saying, with your podcast, it really helps people to think about what is possible in their life. And I think that's what we try to talk about a lot from our space is you know what is possible in your life, and when people feel good, they perform at their best. So, but no, thanks for the opportunity. I,
1: I've enjoyed talking with you. You're welcome. That's a, that's a mic drop right there. Mic drop, boom! <laughs> Can't wait to uh, talk to you uh, going down the road and seeing where uh, the future takes us. Absolutely.